0: Question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. That's right. You guys cannot handle the truth. Welcome back, June 22nd, 2020 edition of Dong City. Henry Maldonado, Vince Mercandetti, and a lot of shit going on. Vince, how you doing, buddy? i oh,
1: good. How are you? Happy belated Father's Day, by the way, and to everyone else who's listening with children, human children.
0: You brought it up, so I'll show it. This is my daughter broke my limited edition uh, rocks glass that I had, a Ralph Lauren one, and then she proceeded to break the second one. So she made it up by buying me this Yankee Stadium rocks glass set, which has the stadium and the surrounding streets like the map of of yeah, yeah. Pretty cool. I mean, I'll take that.
1: (laughs) That when I for like eight years straight, I kept breaking my mom's cookie jar and then buying it a new one for her on Mother's Day. And by me, I mean my dad. (laughs) <laughs> so it's, it seems like a tradition of many children uh yeah we made it that's the good news um we have exactly one piece of good news I think in this entire podcast but we're gonna we're gonna get through it and discuss it and um yeah uh, you know I think at this point it's June 22nd uh, for about three and a half months as baseball fans, we've been held captive by this back and forth negotiation, even though for like two of those months, nothing happened. And here we are. So I thought it would be a good time right now. Uh, as of about an hour ago, players rejected the most recent proposal. We'll, we'll get to that. But I thought it was a great job to give an update on that and then actually build the entire timeline so you can put into perspective exactly where the players are coming from, exactly where the owners are coming from. And discuss that. And then uh, I promise you, Mets fans, if you are listening, we will get (laughs) to your piece of good news at some point as well. Potential good news, which, you know, for the Mets, it doesn't mean anything until it's confirmed. But hopefully it's good news for you guys. So thank you for joining us. This is Dong City. And we have the latest, as of about an hour ago, Henry, the players... Uh, 33 to 5 vote. I don't know who the 38 people are that get that vote, but they... Well, I
0: want to know who the, the five idiots are.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm curious too. Yeah, five people did crack this time, but 33 to 5 vote. Overwhelmingly, they have rejected the latest offer from the owners, um, which came, I think, officially maybe earlier today or yesterday. It
0: was uh, No, it came Friday right Okay. They were yeah. supposed to. They were going back and forth. If they were going to vote over the weekend, and
1: that's right. Yeah, players were supposed to vote last night. They, they were going to
0: hold the vote last night, and it fell through. So
1: yeah, pushed it to three p.m. Eastern, then pushed it to five p.m. Eastern, then around six p.m. Eastern, we finally found out they had reject re, They had rejected. And I, and
0: I use "offer" in quotes because it's a right. Stress.
1: So let's start with the latest offer, and then we're going to go way back and start from the beginning. The latest offer is. Um, And this was with the caveat that Rob Manford, if an agreement is not reached this week, will implement a nuclear option of a season starting, um, and it would be between 54 to 60 games. I I don't know how they arrived at that number, but essentially it would be less than what the owner's last offer was, which was 60 games.
0: I believe that number was based on TV contracts and um, contractual obligations to the networks. Okay.
1: So it won't be 50. It won't be 60. It'll be 54. I mean, I guess it could be 60, but probably less than that. 54 to 60. Um, It would also exclude the universal DH, which Henry and I just finished discussing. I don't really understand why that even matters. Players seemed open to it. And I think he gave players the option to keep it if they wanted to. Um, It would also Mm -hmm. eliminate expanded playoffs in 2020 and 2021. Um, latest on that was we were going to have 16 teams in the playoffs this year <laughs> next year that has now is now off the table with this offer and a little thing buried in here that not a lot of people paid attention to. And we'll get to this in the beginning of that $170 million we've touched on on dong city kind of over the last few months that owners had given as an advance to players on their salaries. Owners would demand basically 137 of that million would count towards player salaries so that's, they've already paid 137 million of what's going to be paid this season they're letting uh they're forgiving 33 million of it, or four uh yeah 33 million of it
0: how nice of them
1: yes so um all of that said the qualifying offer would be restored which i'm a fan of because uh the yankees have three big free agents this offseason potentially 21 expanded playoffs and DH are both at uh, – uh, 2021 play expanded playoffs and DH, like I said, both at the player's discretion. Otherwise, only if under 50 games are played, salaries are not guaranteed for unplayed games. So basically that means if the season was under 50 games, salaries would not be guaranteed. Um, as I'm getting my lawn vote at 7 p.m. 25- Is that what I hear? What's that?
0: Is that what I hear? Yes, that's a lot. Uh, In case anyone uh,
1: can hear that, I apologize. I don't control when the landscaper comes. $25 million playoff pool for 2020 and 2021. MLB was allegedly flexible on that amount. It's all for not. Players rejected the offer. Yep. So I thought a good exercise now would be let's go all the way back, Henry, to March 12th. That is the first time we got any news – on this season. So before March 12th, they were in spring training, they're playing spring training games, gearing up for the season, and then COVID comes and starts to rear its ugly head. The nation starts to head into various quarantines, and eventually players are pulled out of spring training.
0: This March, really the, I think this is the only point in the entire timeline that everyone was on the same page.
1: I have that point. Exactly circled, we'll get to. It reminds me of that Simpsons episode when they play the uh, Ralph Gets His Heart Broken by Lisa, and they keep playing it on TV, and he's like, you can pinpoint the exact moment he had his heart broken. That's kind of what these negotiations are like if you're a baseball fan. Um, March 12th, Rob Manfred announced the season would be delayed by two weeks. So at the time, COVID was not a very big danger. We were just delaying the season by two weeks, I guess. I don't really know in hindsight what that – Like why they would think that would be okay But I guess maybe they thought it was like A fleeting
0: virus Maybe someone you know Said something like it'll just disappear And one day it'll be gone Maybe maybe they were taking their cue from higher powers In this nation, who knows
1: Perhaps someone of great leadership declared that This was a non-issue, that it was under control And that it was not going to be a problem
0: Yeah, I don't know who that could be
1: Anyway Two weeks passed No real updates March 26th comes, two weeks after the March 12th announcement from Manfred that the season would be delayed two weeks. He probably got out of bed and was like, oh, shit, I have to give an update. It's been two weeks. He uh, Players agree. This was this was the last time that they were, like, amicable. Players agreed to a prorate rate a salary based on games played, and owners agree on an advance of, of the aforementioned $170 million. So what that means is that they basically agreed to an 81-game season, half the season, and... Um, No start date or anything declared, no safety protocols or anything, but they agreed on half a season, and owners were going to give a $170 million advance to the players so they can keep, obviously, earning money while this was happening, and then the season would come and everything was all honky-dory. In exchange, players agreed not to sue for their full salaries, which is an important note kind of as a precedent to all of this, players agreed not to sue for their full salaries because they're losing, again, 50% of their pay right off the bat, sans $170 million, Um, if there's no season in exchange for a full year of service time based on their 2019 number, So players said, we won't sue for the 50% we're going to lose this year, but we get our arbitration and our service time and everything like that, that all stays in tax owners are like, great. doesn't cost us any actual money. So that's cool. And that's where we were at there. Now a line in this agreement, and this is what has caused all of the problems since states, the office of the commissioner and players association will discuss in good faith. Keep that term in your head. As we talk throughout this episode, the economic feasibility of playing games in the absence of spectators. So there was basically an out that if, we can't have fans they were smart enough to include that in there then they have to negotiate in good faith to have a season and work out the numbers without fans if and when conditions exist for continuing the 2020 championship season which i assume means playoffs all players signed to mlb contracts will be paid a daily pro rate of So they'll basically be paid for the playoff games that they play Mm -hmm. uh, which means most players well actually less than most players since now we have an expanded playoff Um, wouldn't be paid at all. So that was the first big data dump of information that came on March 26th. And that was the verbiage you've probably heard a million times since.
0: So I, I think it's important to note here that this is an agreement that, this is a terms that they came to agreement. At this point, no matter what was happening in the world, this is an agreement that they came to. Everyone was happy when they left the table. March 26th, owners were happy, players were happy, and then everything goes from downhill from there.
1: Yeah, and I remember at the time when that happened, I was a little taken aback that it was so easy because it's not like players and owners haven't had a great relationship really since Manfred took office. We covered his legacy last week. But, um, you know, since that 2018 offseason, there's been a lot of animosity when players were basically just getting stiffed on their I think that the last
0: That last extension, which was right before Manfred, I don't think he was... 2016 was the last one, so it was under Manfred because he took over That was the last one that they kind of felt slighted. um, Yeah,
1: and that's where we got this glorified salary cap with the luxury tax penalties. And now that that's played out, uh, the, the way the owners have handled that, that has pissed off the players. So... Yeah, so there was animosity before this, but March 26th, we were pleasantly surprised that they, everyone was acting like adults. They came to an agreement, and this seemed like it was going to be an easy fix.
0: It seems like they were operating in good faith.
1: Yeah, that, that seemed like good faith. April 7th comes, so this is 12 days later. Not much of an update, but they're starting to discuss the different types of options they could have to get back on the field as COVID becomes more serious. Because remember, April was the spike for the Northeast in particular, but most of the country suffered the most in April with with the cases until recently. Um, That was the day that the Arizona bubble plan was first reported in that all teams would play in Arizona. So it was our only update then. On April 28th, which was three weeks after that, MLB realignment plan was introduced, and Henry and I sat here, and we went over how happy we were because the Yankees would play a bunch of pushovers. Yep. And at the time, that was the biggest deal going on in MLB because nobody thought we just would have the situation we're in now. So now – now we head into may and this is henry when things start to go very downhill on may 11th owners approved their first proposal which was not percentage based it well it was percentage based but it was revenue based
0: right
1: they suggested 50 percent revenue sharing in an 82 game season but it was rejected by players because it could resemble a president for a salary cap.
0: Which right, is. and at that point, I think that was a player's first mistake.
1: Yes. Um, now, if you look at every other sport with a salary cap, it is based on revenue sharing, so you can see where the player's thought process was there.
0: Which was foolish because, let's be real, baseball annually, the, the, the revenue just keeps going up and up and up. So it, right. it was, I think that's where they shit the bed.
1: I, I kind of agree with you. They probably should have explored that route more um, because, like you said, MLB for 17 straight years has had increasing revenue, setting a record, setting 10.7 billion last year. Mm-hmm. So, granted, in 2020 it probably would have been lower than the 10.7 billion, but 2021, especially if they agreed to the expanded playoff and everything, if that was included in the revenue sharing, there there was a there was a route there they probably could have explored more, and they could. Um, MLB books. Now, this is one of the reasons I think the players did reject it. MLB books are not public, except for the Braves because they're a public company. Uh, But even the Braves, like all of their revenue streams are not public, just the operational ones as it relates to the Atlanta Braves. So like anything else that's related to the Braves but doesn't have to do with the game-to-game operation, that's not public. Right. Uh, So within the offer was expanded playoff that was also introduced regional schedules and expanded rosters with the taxi squad were introduced. And those were all amicable to both sides. So no one disagreed with the taxi squad. No one disagreed with regional schedules and no one disagreed with expanded playoffs. That was kind of all in agreement right off the bat. Um, the main thing was the revenue sharing. And I think players rejected it a, because it might be a salary cap, you know, precedent for that. And B because um, MLB books are not public. So how can you really know what your revenue is and split it if they're not actually open to the players union. That's, right. That was the theory behind that. So, now in true Florida fashion, I have a thunderstorm as well as landscaping. Um, May 14th, three days after that, MLBPA asks MLB to open its books. So, logically, MLB is like, all right, you want to talk about ML, uh, revenue sharing? MLBPA is like, all right, show us your books uh, following the revenue proposal. MLB... That's re- not happening. Yeah, MLB flat out refuses, but this is when we first hear from like the Cardinals owner and everyone else that they're insisting MLB isn't as profitable as claimed, and no formal pro- proposal ends up being made in regards to revenue sharing, so they never officially made that offer because players resoundingly rejected it immediately, and the owners then refused to open their books immediately, and then they were like, yeah, but we don't make that much money, so like you know, there's no reason for us to do that okay (laughs) may 26th now 12 days after that uh owners make a new proposal so this is again and we had mentioned this then we're going like two weeks at a time before we're getting proposals here as the clock starts ticking on the season because everyone knew we were probably looking at like a july 4th ish start date now we're in late may and running out of time but the proposals are not like you know, coming in hot. This one discussed health and safety protocols really for the first time. um, Which is
0: about two and a half months into COVID.
1: Right, (laughs) yeah. And it includes daily temperature checks, self-isolation of positive testing players, travel restrictions on the road, and the no spitting or sunflower seeds, which again at the time was a hilarious controversy compared to now. Um, The official sliding scale proposal This is the moment, Henry, when things went very far south. Owners wanted to introduce a sliding scale proposal, which included 90% pro rata for smallest salaries and 44% pro rata for the most expensive, thus punishing the best players in the game who generate the most money. Those are the players' words, not mine. And this is also when we can start looking at the actual numbers being introduced here. This proposal, if you add everything up, was 23.9% of the original 2020 salaries. So if you looked at what players were going to be paid, owners' first proposal that included actual pro-rated numbers, they were offering to pay 23.9% of that original number. So that's important because as we go through now, all of these offers are going to pretty much have percentage-based. That was their starting point, 23.9%.
0: <clears throat> which, is, which is laughable. It's just an insult.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a uh, that's less than half what they agreed to in March.
0: You, you couple that with uh, you know we're losing money, comments. It's just tone deaf.
1: And Michelle, uh, we don't have Bower's Twitter up in front, but if you want to start leaving comments as to what he's saying, we will throw a few of those out there and dissect it because we both love Trevor Bower's Twitter. Um, so yeah, so that so and and not surprisingly, on May twenty eighth, a couple days after that. Players respond furiously. Max Scherzer, uh, Marcus Stroman, and Trevor Bauer (laughs) especially come out. They start tweeting they're casting doubt on a season for the first time. So May 28th was the first time either side mentioned that, hey, this may not happen because we're so far apart right now in negotiations. And we also hear for the first time a small contingent of owners may not want a season to happen. It was rumored there was like four to six owners, which I think now has since become six to eight. Uh, who didn't want to season at all because it would save them money. And we know shithead Bob Nutting is part of that um, as well. Yeah, as some of the
0: other easily. Other.
1: Yeah. There's just no chance he wasn't involved in that. So now we get to May 31st. Shit's really starting to hit the fan. The union counters with <laughs> – and this, this offer is kind of ridiculous, but it's uh, I know why they made it. So the union counters, and they're like, look, we want full pro rate of salaries, which that part's not ridiculous, yeah. but we wanted over 114 game seasons. They're like way, way apart on that. Um, and the regular season ending through October. So the players is the first time they started messing with the timeline. They're like, we can just extend the season a month. We'll play. No problem.
0: See, I, I like that one because it does two things. It puts out into the public that the players want to play more games but what it really is, it's a fuck you to the owners because that, there's no way that was going to get approved because there's no way the owners were going to pay that much money.
1: Yeah, this was almost like, screw you guys. Like You want to you make shitty offers? Look at this one. Right. And we'll see you resoundingly reject it. Um, so owners, I'm standing behind the guys, this is a smart move for them, standing behind the guys of a second wave of COVID, which we're now <laughs> seeing now as opposed to November. That might be like the sixth wave by then. Um, they demand the season ends by 927, so anything after that is a non-starter. So, well, owners, that's their line in the sands. They're not extending the season, and they're using COVID as the reason, which, legitimate or not, that, that was their reason. Right.
0: Um,
1: this is where we establish that, and this is an important point, playoff revenue is valued at $787 million. So, I've gotten that question. Say that
0: again. Say that shit again.
1: eighty-seven million million just on the playoffs alone. The reason that I bring that up is because I've gotten that question a lot. How much are the playoffs worth? Because that's been a big source of contention. Players agreed to the expanded playoff to make as much money. Now, this is, by the way, May 31st playoffs are worth $787 million. We'll get to that in a second. So that is the number that is included in the, in the playoff uh, that owners would mostly split. Because if you saw that $25 million share and whatnot, that's the player's share. right? Overwhelmingly. What owners would be making? So when they say six hundred thousand a game, uh, which we don't have any proof of as far as what it would cost them, factor seven hundred eighty-seven million into that because that's their playoff revenue. Right? If the playoffs were canceled, as in we played the season but the playoffs don't happen, the union um, also included a hundred million in playoff salary player salary deferrals between twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one for anyone making ten million a year or more a year. The reason that that's important, Henry and I discussed. Uh, way back then different ideas and that was the first time deferred first and last time deferred salaries came into play. Yeah. Only, uh, players were the ones saying it. They said if there's no playoff you can take $100 million of our salaries and you can pay it back to us with a little bit of interest in 2021 instead to alleviate some of your financial concerns um, which not really a player concession but worthy to note the actual- it, it was.
0: It was a smart move. I didn't like at the time, but, you know, digesting it, doing more research, it was a smart move.
1: Right. Now, the actual proposal in the 114 game season is 70.4% of the original salaries. So, we know that that's an FU because players basically added 20% to what they agreed to in March, which was 50% of their salaries. They are like, here's 20.4%. Now, we're demanding because you guys are morons.
0: That same March agreement that, at this point, no one is adhering to, by the way.
1: Correct. Now we get to June 8th. So again, something pivotal, an entire eight days passes before anyone reacts to that player's offer. Because I think at that point, both sides were so pissed off by the negotiating here. They didn't want to come to the table, but June 8th comes two weeks ago. And MLB finally counters with a 76 game season, but not fully prorated. Players would receive 75% prorata if there's a postseason. Uh, guaranteed 50% if there's not. So they're they're only offering half of a 76-game season, not half of a regular season. Uh, Playoff expansion was officially suggested at 16 teams because originally it was 14 to 16. Now we have settled on 16, which adds an extra round of playoff or at least a few extra games. And no draft pick compensation is first introduced for free agents. And this is also... When Rob Manford makes maybe his biggest mistake in this entire process, he promises with 100% certainty there's going to be a season. And that really gets the fans and all of us going.
0: He goes Broadway, Joe. Everyone gets long excited. and that, He put his foot in the mouth big time.
1: Yeah, an absolute boneheaded move from a, from a negotiation and leverage standpoint to basically paint himself into a corner and be like, I've got to come to an agreement because I promised there'd be baseball. So and he only
0: did, wait, wait. He only did that because he knows he had nuclear nuclear option in his back pocket.
1: Yeah, he knows he can force baseball now.
0: Wait, which for the record, and I know I've, we've said this privately because this shit drives me absolutely mad. That nuclear option is bullshit because the whole time, once they after they agreed to the terms on March 26, no one is adhering to that. No one's saying we're going to follow this. Everyone's saying it's not the same deal. Let's throw it out the window. And the owners are magically saying, well this one or two sentence in that we're going to hold steadfast to in this language in that agreement that we all of a sudden don't recognize we're going to stick fast to that.
1: yeah and and players have a counter to this (laughs) Uh, that we'll get to in a second here that's about to get introduced but to summarize that proposal by the way the actual proposal is 35.2 percent of original salaries with playoffs 23.4 without so players act or the owners actually went down 0.5 percent in guaranteed salaries in the regular season of the players with their second proposal Mm -hmm. um and it was still about 47 percent away from what players were suggesting in their proposal uh no change in regular season pay except for that 0.5 percent and this is when the mention of the nuclear option was introduced 48 game season from manford that would be, if they implemented it, 29.6% of original pay. So it actually would cost the owner 6% roughly if they did the nuclear option, uh, but it would get baseball there, it would save Manfred's ass, and it's still 40-some-odd point some odd percent away from the player's proposal. Um And this is also where now the players said, okay, you want to play that game? Yeah, you can introduce yourself the nuclear option we agreed to in March. We're going to go back to that verbiage in March, and we're going to point out the line where where it's agreed to. You had to negotiate in good faith to have as long of a season as possible, and you're throwing out these offers here that are 40% away from where we are, and they're not for as many games as possible because at the time on June 8th, there's no reason to cut the season at 76 games, you could still play 90 some odd games, 95 some odd games at that point. Owners are refusing to pay. They're also refusing to open their books and prove why they won't pay. Not to, to mention an is each, the grievance has introduced.
0: Yeah, not to mention each one of the owners' proposals. the percentage of salaries the players were getting paid is the same. They're just moving the goalpost. They're, they're playing funny math, but at the end of the day, the number that the players take home is the same number. So they're not really altering their proposal. They're just playing with the numbers.
1: Yeah, exactly. They're moving this 23-ish percent around. They went to 29, but that's only with the nuclear options. That wasn't really a negotiation. That's just what they would be forced to do. Um, so now we get to the next day, June 9th. MLDPA counters with an 89-game season full, fully pro rata. This is really important for a few reasons. The anger stems from money tied into qualifying for the postseason. So the MLBPA is all pissed off because basically the owners are like, we're not really moving on anything in the regular season. But in the event we have a postseason, like here's all this money you can make. Well, we're making that bigger portion of the $787 million. So they're basically just taking it out of their fat wallet and being like, oh, you're going to like you look at our wallet a little bit. Um, but by the way, there's no guarantee there's a playoff. And by the way, we're the ones who decide whether there's a playoff or not. Uh, so, the proposal includes expanded postseason, $5 million in contributions to minor league charity, which we're going to touch on this second, focused on social justice, and a $50 million flat fee for cancellation of the postseason. So, players are saying, you want us to make all this money in the postseason, you at least have to, like, there's a fee there if we don't have one. You have to pay us at least the $50 million. Um, and... So the actual proposal here is 54.9% of original salary. So players in back-to-back proposals went down 15.1%. They went from 70% to 549 Remember, owners have not moved. They actually went down 0.5%. Um, so players make a big concession of 15.5% between their proposals. So that, to me, is good faith negotiating. If you're going down 15% from your original proposal, owners have yet to do that. So keep track of that but also mentioned in this was the minor leagues, 5 million minor league charity. By the way, during this entire process, MLB canceled 40 minor league teams, which is going to save every single one of them money. And And they
0: cut the draft.
1: They cut the draft from 40 rounds to five. (laughs) So all that money you would need to pay those players, that goes back into the owner's pockets. Players don't see a dime and players lose a bunch of jobs over it. So keep that in mind too. That had to equate into the millions – I would think, probably tens of millions. if not I was going
0: to say way into the millions.
1: Right. So player, owners have lined their pockets and have not moved on negotiation at this point, while players have given up 15%, and now they're getting close to that 50% that they had originally agreed to anyway. We moved to June 12th, three days after that. MLB counters with a 72-game season and a max prorate of 83%, a minimum of 70%. The extra 10 to 13% again is in the postseason. So after MLBPA just said, hey, we don't want the majority, a lot of our money tied in the postseason, MLB comes with an offer that ties a lot of their money into the postseason, 10 yep. to 13% of it, blatantly ignoring MLBPA's <laughs> objections and keeping concessions financially about the same. So this offer is 36.9% of original salaries with postseason, but 31.1% without. So they came up 2% from the nuclear option, and they've come up about 8% from their original option. Um, So there's a little bit of concession there from the owners for the first time. June 13th, Union pissed off again that MLB is just ignoring all of their requests as far as negotiating goes. Kills the negotiation and makes that declarative statement, tell us when and where, which you saw tweeted a lot from Bauer and everyone else. Um,
0: this
1: is with the caveat, which a lot of people missed out on. I've been getting personal comments about this and I had to point it out. This is with the caveat, they're going to file a grievance. So when you say things like, oh, the players promise to say when and where, and now they're rejecting proposals, it's because the owners are making those proposals with the caveat, they drop their grievance. The exactly. grievance now is their biggest leverage. So when they say when and where, they're saying, yeah, we'll play your 48, 50, 54, 60, whatever game season you're saying, but we're going to file a grievance because you haven't really done any sort of negotiating to make the season as long as possible. The nuclear option by definition is not making the season as long as possible.
0: Not to mention the fact that they're tying that into the, any new agreement. It tells you that they're definitely afraid of going to court.
1: Yes. So, as a result of that, now the owners have sat back, and two days later, Manfred makes a statement, which was like a week from his original statement, um, saying there may not be baseball. Exactly one week to the day. Nope. MLB then demands MLBPA drops threat of the grievance. So, you can tell it really pissed off the owners and scared them a little, because the first thing they did before they even made a counter-proposal would say you bet you have to drop this.
0: Got to drop your grievance.
1: And Manfred was willing to throw away the entire season one week after he guaranteed it over this grievance. So now six seventeen comes. This is when we got a little bit of joy for a little bit of time after the face to face meeting, which no one knew about between Tony Clark and Rob Manfred. A new proposal, and this is the best offer the owners have made of sixty games fully prorated is made with the season starting 719. 19 It's also the first time we hear of a set-in-stone start date. Under the condition that the players drop their grievance. As well as the universal DH would be included, that extra inning change where a runner starts on second base would be included. Um, it comes out to 37% of the original 2020 salaries and a 16-team playoff expansion. So the best, don't, the best offer the owners have made is essentially giving the players a 13% pay cut in exchange with the no fans in the stands. Um, and we'll sum that up in a second. The union the next day responds, and they, this is 618 a few days ago, responds with a 70-game proposal. So 10 games more, fully prorated, an increase in playoff money. Uh, 50 million in bonuses in 2020 and a 50 50 split of new postseason revenues in 2021 we'll get to it in a second this is following a 1 billion dollar agreement that owners made in in that span for the 2021 ex- or for the expanded playoffs with television right so they're getting an extra billion dollars uh, the difference is estimated at around 300 million so players basically are now <laughs> like there's an extra 300 million there. For players, that's what they're negotiating over. Owners refused to negotiate since they thought the previous proposal was an agreement. So basically, players said, hey, pay us for 10 extra regular season games. You just got a billion dollars extra, a 14% increase on uh, playoffs revenue (laughs) with the expanded playoffs. And the owners were like, no. (laughs)
0: Billion. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: and that proposal for the record would be 43.2% of the original 2020 salary. So, the latest playoff player negotiation, latest player offer was a 43.2%. So, they actually came down almost 7% from what they agreed to in March um, and came down an astounding 26.8% from their original proposal, which we'll get to that in a second. So, 619 comes, like I said, uh, MLB says it will not counter. And in addition to that, COVID has started to spike. <laughs> and coincidentally, in the areas that they thought were the safest, Florida, Arizona, Texas, the three states that were discussed, now the South is having their COVID spike. Owners move back into the position to implement a shorter season on account of this, being ever being the opportunists that they are. And the union issues a statement saying the league refuses to play more than 60 games and players are committed to getting back to work. ASAP. So they're basically, players are saying, well, there's no point in, in arguing. You, they're not going to go over 60 games. Uh, just, again, tell us when and where, Even implying we're out. not dropping a grievance. Right. 622, that is today. Like I said, we already went over this. They rejected the 60-game proposal. Uh, the players did. The nuclear options expected to be 54 to 60 games. They're going to drop the expanded playoff. They're going to drop the universal DH. They're going to drop the extra inning rules. Um, and then we, we went over all that. So in total for those counting at home, and this is a very important point. If you get anything out of this, this is what you want to, you want to hold on to from the first offer to the last offer, owners went down 13.1% on their offer. And the players 26.8, more than double. So when you make statements like I'm mad at both sides Or this is the owner's and the player's fault, or they're both greedy, or they're both full of shit, or it's millionaires arguing with billionaires. Whatever you want to argue, remember those two stats. Players have more than double conceded what the owners have as it pertains to money, and they're coming from a smaller pot to begin with because they're worth less than the owners.
0: So basically, there's only one side operating in good faith.
1: Right. And the difference now is 6.2%. That's all we're at. Those 10 games, 6.2%. And the players already said they're willing to negotiate between 64 and 66 games. So really we're talking about four to six extra games of pay and they won't do it. Uh, That would have been 3.7%. So we're at 3.5% is all the owners have to come up on. And we probably would have an agreement and they refuse to go over 60 games. Yeah, so that's where we're at. That is currently. I know it's a very long math lesson. And now we can go back and get to your comments.
0: So they're greedy uh, folks. What's that? So, so the owners are basically being greedy folks.
1: Yeah. So now we get into the grievance part because, you know, I've gotten questions on that. Why is this grievance even matter? And players are estimating the grievance is worth about a billion dollars in, in money they would get um, yep. on the aforementioned agreement that we covered, which is that owners are obligated per their agreement to negotiate in good faith as long of a season as possible. Players feel they have a good case that this hasn't happened. We just went over the numbers and feel that that's probably a legitimate case to it, but here's it's the worst. Probably
0: part. closer to a slam dunk if their owners are begging them to drop it.
1: Yeah, you can tell by the owner's actions, probably a little scared that this could happen. It's an independent arbiter. It's not someone assigned by MLB who would decide on this, and here's the worst part of all for the owners. If they go down this road and it goes into court, guess who's going to be legally obligated to show their books? (laughs) That's the biggest thing in all this. It's not even so much that the players win and they get a billion dollars or a portion of the billion dollars. It's that this is a long play for the CBA after 2021, because if you between now and then get owners to have to open their books and show all of their revenue It's a It destroys their leverage going into the next CBA, and there has to be an agreement in the next CBA or else we'll never see baseball again.
0: No, this is is where we're at. We're at the point where that's what they want. They want the owners to show their books because this isn't about this season. I think they've taken the L. Both sides have taken the L on this season. They know they're going to play 50 to 60 games. They know they're going to get paid for 50 to 60 games. Um, This is about next year where the CBA comes up. And they can get a look at those books and they can see how much money they're truly making, then their leverage is gone. Not to mention you have the whole pissing contest of this, you know, whoever feels like they've lost is going to go extra hard in the CBA.
1: Right. So now Rob Manfred and the owners have two choices. One is to implement this nuclear option in which case it's going to be looked at terribly, I think by fans I would hope by fans, if they go and say, well, you have to play 48 games, no one ever agreed to anything. I mean, that to me is, first of all, it's an insult because we know the owners decided, literally decided how many games there are. And that's not enough games for fans.
0: They've been operating with the number of games in their pocket already. They already know what they were going right. to play with.
1: For me, I said way back when half of a season was legitimate to me. I think baseball inherently has a very large sample size. So if you're going to tell me you will cut half those games out, I think 81 games is still enough to decide who the best teams are for that year. And especially if you're including an expanded playoffs, even those teams who might've gotten hot, they're still in the playoffs. You have to win a very long postseason with 16 teams. I would have been fine with that outcome. Whoever won, unless it was the Astros, I would have been completely okay with that team being a champion. I would remember them as a champion, no questions asked you're talking 30-game difference from the 95 Braves and not a single person on earth considers them an illegitimate champion. So that would have been fine. 60 games was like my gray area. I don't know about you, Henry, but at 60 games, I was like, maybe, but...
0: I never really thought of it because I thought we would have close to 100 games.
1: Yeah. 48 games, 50 games, 54 games, whatever you want to call it, is not... That doesn't do anything for me. And we've seen that in the comment section too. That, that isn't enough for baseball fans. None of us would give a shit.
0: Yeah. At I mean, we'd, still, we'd still watch, which I think if we really wanted to stick it to them, we'd stop watching and watch the ratings go down. But with COVID, no one's going to be going to the game. So ratings will probably go up. But if we really gave a shit, we'd stop watching.
1: Right um michelle asked what do you think would be better for a grievance case Manfred implementing the season or canceling the season i think and henry you phrased it best players have kind of fallen into a great opportunity here in that Manfred really kind of looks bad either way but i think to answer your question michelle that if he implements the season it's going to look worse for the grievance because that you look at the big timeline and it's like owners got what they wanted all along and what they got wanted all along was as short of a season possible. And when the grievance is based on, you have to negotiate for as long of a season possible. That to me looks bad. I'm not an arbiter. I'm not a CBA lawyer. I'm not a union lawyer, but that to me would look bad at its surface. Uh, Whereas if he didn't implement a season, at least you can then if you're the owners be like, yeah, well, they weren't negotiating in good faith either. We couldn't reach an agreement. Uh, but they both kind of look bad. There's no real winning there. What do you think on that?
0: I think that's what it's about. I I think there's no winning, and this is all about money. Um, I did want to address Joe's comment. He says he keeps hearing owners will have to show their financials. There's no legal precedent. I think once the owners started claiming that they'll lose money and they're operating under the assumption that they're going to be losing revenues, I think they opened the door for that precedent. This may very, very well be the precedent.
1: Right um yeah it, it's it's not a guarantee um but I think that it that is going to in the in the nature of what this is, which is a negotiation that we really haven't seen ever uh presidents get set they they aren't based on anything, so I think that in this case with what that negotiation what the negotiation is, what the language states, the actions that both sides have taken it, it, there's a case there. Yeah. Uh, whether it happens or not, not a guarantee. I mean, look, Henry and I guaranteed baseball this entire time, and we can't guarantee it anymore. I still think it's going to happen, um, you but know we what? can't guarantee it anymore. We don't. All of this is now new territory for every fan living.
0: What's funny is that we we keep talking about the money aspect, we keep talking about negotiations, we keep talking about all the pissing contests and everything in between. We don't. We're not talking about COVID. Right. Which, which, you know, like Florida is getting killed It's over 3000 cases a day for the last week. Right. Um, Arizona's getting killed. All these places where they thought the hot weather would kill the virus and we could just go play baseball with every team. Those places are hotbeds right now. Yeah, yeah. The
1: Yankees and Mets have moved back to New York, which if you had asked three months ago, no one, no <laughs> one ever would have predicted that. They they want to do their spring training in New York because New York right now is lower cases than Florida.
0: Dude, our, our governor playfully floated banning people from Florida coming into New York. To
1: right, which, <laughs> which our governor had done that earlier. He exactly. Said, stop, stop flocking to Florida from New yeah. York because we don't want you. Like, you're not, it's not safe.
0: Look, then and you had, then, well, you had 40 players over the weekend that came I was going to say, in
1: this court. process, for, not players, but 40 staff, I think. I don't know if it's necessary. Uh,
0: it's a combination of staff and players.
1: Right. Uh, five police
0: and i think In
1: particular, one astros player
0: yeah they said 10 teams were affected i think the majority of the teams have shut down their facilities to sanitize and, and have the players quarantine and and i think this is the this whole thing this is really the first time where i'm like okay maybe we don't get baseball and i say that with even if we do get baseball we won't get baseball i think we're going to have a lot of players and this is something not spoken about i think we're going to have a lot of players just choosing not to play and there's no legal recourse for the owners to force them to play. I right. think you have players that are going to say, I'm not playing. I'm not putting myself in danger. I'm not putting my family in danger. I don't want to do it. So you're going to have that. You're going to have, then you'll have a grievance. It, it's just, it's a clusterfuck.
1: It is. And player or um, fans are kind of on the losing end of all of this because now we're definitely not getting a legitimate season regardless and uh, now you can really look at the end of 2021 and say, I don't see any scenario with a grievance that's currently pending in court because it's not going to be solved this year. No. Um, I gr- think
0: the minute, the minute Manfred implements the nuclear option, the players follow a grievance the same day.
1: Right. So you're going to have a grievance tied up in court. You're going to have at best an illegitimate season, at worst no season at all. And you've got a CBA and you only have a year. We've seen how these guys negotiate there. It's not like they're going to, it's not like they are not going to take this time to sit at the table for the next year, for the next 10 months until, or nine months until next spring training and negotiate. It's not going to happen.
0: You know what would save their ass? The same people that save baseball all the time, you and me, the fans, the fans that make thousands of dollars to pay the millionaire salaries For the billionaire owners. The only way that would happen is if next year people miss baseball so fucking much that they go and sell out every ballpark, revenue is at an all-time high, and they sit there and they're looking and like, okay, guys, we can't fuck up this again. This is way too much money to fuck up. And they are forced to go and sit and make an agreement because the amount of money that's made. And the only way that happens is by the common folk, by you, by me, by everyone watching this podcast, listening to this podcast, Buying games, going to the games, buying merch, filling concession stands—the normal everyday folks will end up bailing out the billionaires, like always.
1: Yeah, that, that's that's essentially what's going to happen. Um, Joe had asked a number of warm weather cases of COVID spiking. Do you think the entire season will not occur due to state by state restrictions? I mean, COVID's now a factor. Yeah. And there's certainly, you can't, I mean, even the NBA now with their return, because it's supposed to be a wide world of sports, like it, yeah. it is definitely a factor. Uh, will that be the reason there's no baseball? I don't, I really don't think so. I don't even think that'll be the reason there's no, well, that will be the reason there's no football, if there's no football. Um, the thing I, wonder,
0: about, I wonder which sides lawyers will get smart enough and then blame it on COVID.
1: Right. The, so that
0: they don't take an L in court. The
1: thing about COVID, and, and I hate to get morbid on this, is that the death rate <laughs> is really improved. Like, like we'll use Florida for ex- an example. We've had over 3,000 cases most of the time for the last two weeks, and a lot of people are saying if it continues for the next week, that's when you start to see hospitals get overrun, and then, like, things get really ugly. Um,
0: oh, but th- there's a lot that goes with that because you have people that are not, players that travel with teams you have broadcasters who
1: and they're are and the up
0: there in age yeah they're very vulnerable you have right. um trainers who are you know a lot of the trainers for these teams are guys in their 60s and 70s so you have those you have the broadcasters you have some older staff members there's a lot you know one player gets sick you fuck the whole team where does the schedule go from there that's
1: kind of where i'm getting at is that the death rate has improved, I think. Uh, and, you know, the medical community will tell you this. They've improved on how to treat it. it. There's not a shortage of hospital, like New York in particular, had a really bad shortage of hospital beds and vents yeah. when this was happening. They didn't have any, any way to combat it. That's not really the problem in any of the states right now with huge spikes. So the death rate's way low. But Major League Baseball's a responsibility, and we already have 40 players who tested positive. So can it play a factor? Yes. Um, my gut feeling is that, they can find enough, of, enough combinations between all the states and stadiums at their disposal where they can make it work, which is why I, I don't think that'll be the reason there won't be a season, but that might be the reason they use as far as why there won't okay. be a season.
0: But, but here, here's the thing with that. You have the CDC guidelines say if you test positive, if you have symptoms, you're to be self-quarantined for 14 days. If you come in contact with someone who has been positive, you have to quarantine. One person gets sick, that's the whole team.
1: I think the MLB agreement, though, is only if you test positive. I don't know if they'd actually quarantine players who have been in contact, but to your point, yeah. I mean, it's a very slippery slope, and uh, it's just – it's ugly. They really ruined – their moment of opportunity here was to negotiate in May, come to an agreement, start in July, and if there were spikes, they could have adjusted kind of on the run, but everything else would have been in place. Now you have nothing in place – Manfred, Michelle, to answer your question, um, I think he has to use the nuclear option from a commissioner standpoint. Like his, We talked about his legacy last week. It's already pretty ugly. But you will be remembered forever as the commissioner. I mean, think of Bud Selig. What, the two things we think about when we think of Bud Selig's entire legacy is not any of the good he did for the game. And keep in mind, during his entire tenure, MLB generated more and more revenue. As a commissioner, that's what everyone tells me. That's the biggest thing for a commissioner, make money for the owners.
0: And had labor peace. (laughs)
1: Right. What do we remember from Bud Selig? Two things. One, steroid era. Two, is no World Series in 1994.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Those are the two things. He'll live forever. Those are the two things fans will remember. And if you ask any fan, not that they love any commissioner, but they hate him (laughs) if
0: you look back. And Selig did a lot more good... I bet you, if you tell them you can have C League over Manfred, and everyone will say, "Yeah."
1: Every single person. So if Manfred now has no season at all, which has never happened, and you're looking at potentially another strike in 2022 as a result of no season at all this season, that I mean, he'll be tarred and feathered out of the sport. I think.
0: Uh, I think. I, I think more than you, COVID is a big issue here. I really think that the players can just say we're not showing up. Right. They don't want the right to take the health because
1: again, it's their health which is Absolutely.
0: They're the only people who are going out there to play. The the, the owners aren't.
1: Yeah. Brian points out the All Star Game tie as well. Yes, that, that's the other thing that you remember, Bud Seeley for. This whole thing, by the way, reminds me. If there's any uh, musical fans out there, Henry, have you ever seen The Greatest Showman? No, I haven't. So The Greatest Showman's about P.T. Barnum, played by Hugh Jackman, uh, and basically the dawn of the circus, like how he, how he invented the circus. There's a song in there where he meets his eventual partner. He wants to, like, bring respect to the circus because there's a bunch of freak shows and, like, people, you know, throwing peanuts and stuff. They, the, the entire song called The Other Side is a negotiation between the two, and it reminds me so much of the players and owners because what pisses me, it's my favorite song in the entire soundtrack. Well, what pisses me off is Zac Efron plays uh, plays the other partner and he gets screwed in these negotiations. The only thing I can dwell on, despite that I like this song, because Zac Efron starts at like uh, 7% and Hugh Jackman starts at 18. Or Hugh Jackman starts at 7%. Zac Efron starts at 18. They settle at 10. I'm <laughs> just like, I look back, I'm like, damn, he got raked over the coals. And then I look at this and people are like, Oh, yeah, players and owners equally culpable. No, we just went over this <laughs> Players have conceded more than twice the percentage the owners have. Reminds me of that song.
0: Um, and, again, uh, another thing that doesn't get spoken about a lot is they just killed the free agent market.
1: Yeah. Well, that, so that's the other thing that kind of sucks about this whole thing is even if we had a season, even if everything counts, you know, the Mookie Betts trade, he, he plays for the Dodgers, whatever, everyone gets their pre-arb, owners – if they have to concede anything, and they've already, again, conceded technically some percentage, um, they're going to make up for it. (laughs) That's the other aspect. Like, I don't know why people root for the owners when it comes to the actual negotiation, because they're going to make up for it anyway.
0: You're not not going to see giant – yeah, you're not going to see big free agent moves this offseason.
1: Uh-uh. Garrett Cole is the luckiest man on the face of the earth, because he cashed in before this happened.
0: Mookie Betts may be the unlucky. Yeah,
1: and Mookie Betts, you're right, is the yin to that yang. Well, no, he's the opposite of that. He is going to get screwed.
0: Think about it. We were talking about just last year, we were talking about how if Bryce Harper got what he got, how much more money Mookie Betts would get and look.
1: Mookie Betts was looking at 400 plus. Remember
0: at one point people were saying Bryce Harper should take a one-year deal Mm -hmm. and then go back in the market? Yeah. That's why you get your money when you can. A lot of players shit on – a lot of people shit on players. You get your money while you can. This if is why we, Scott Boris is Scott Boris. You get your money. You get what you can when it's your time.
1: Absolutely. If Mookie Betts put up his 2018 numbers this year with the Dodgers or something close to it, I don't expect him to put up those numbers in L.A., um, he would have gotten $400 million. As it was, he was definitely getting at least three fifty because he was definitely getting more than Bryce Harper. And yeah, he was
0: getting the Bryce Har- Harper contract plus.
1: Yeah, I I, I thought he was going to be about three sixty, and if he had another MVP type season, probably about four hundred, uh, maybe four ten because Trout got like four twenty six or whatever he got. Uh, now I, I have honestly I. I hate to say it because you just said <laughs> – yeah, they said it about Harper. If I'm bets I take a one-year deal and I see what happens after the CBA.
0: You have to, which sucks because he gets one year less in his prime, so he'll pay for that on the back end. But you yeah. got to do what you can to, to – I, I go back to the Dodgers and say, hey, give me my – whatever the arb number was that we settled on, give me that, and I'll play for you for one year.
1: Yeah, give me another 27000000 million. I'll play for a year. Um and then uh and then i'm I'm gonna become a free agent guaranteed i'm not signing an extension unless they gave him you know that but i doubt they would uh and then yeah I, that's he heads into free agency a year older i think he'd be i think he'd still be like 28 or 29.
0: although if you know now that i'm thinking about it if you're a smart owner you can front load these contracts so bad right now you know and or like i've i've been saying for years if i'm a gm if i'm an owner I'm offering a guy more money annually and paying him less years. So I'll give a guy $40 million, $45 million a year for four or five years, as opposed to giving him 35 for 10.
1: That's oh, so what the Dodgers tried to do with Bryce Harper. I would do that. It was like a five-year, like $200 million deal or something. And I, and
0: I think you'll, you'll start seeing deals like that where owners go, okay, we want to sign you. We don't know where the CBA is going. Money's tight right now. If you did this, we'll pay you now, but for less years. Right. P- players are going to sit there, and they have to really think about that.
1: What fascinates me, Dodgers and Yankees in particular, with the Mookie Bet situation, if you're the Dodgers, you did give up Alex Verdugo. So, you know, you cleared a spot essentially for Mookie Betts. Granted, as a rental. Granted, they were going to be all in this year. Um, but they are going to do what they can, I think, to re-sign him, and they will have the money to re-sign him if they wanted to. Now – Here's the part where I'm going to kind of shit in some Red Sox fans' cereal. They have been saying, you know, the, the not-so-obvious conspiracy is that Red Sox fans feel we can give up Mookie Betts for essentially nothing. I mean, they they received players, but he's not going to play in L.A. He's then going to become a free agent, and then we can re-sign him. Yeah, nah. This is still the thing that I haven't seen answered anywhere, and I've looked everywhere for it. If there's no season... Mookie Betts does become a free agent, but what happens to the luxury taxes? For example, we use the Yankees and Red Sox for an example, first ones to come to mind. The Yankees exceeded the tax. They already got punished in this draft, losing their second and fifth round draft picks, whatever it was. But will they get screwed with the other ramifications, the international pool money and everything like that, by exceeding the luxury tax threshold? Because now that even if it's pro-rata, they're not actually doing that. And the... Opposite of that, the Red Sox were looking to reset their cap this year. Does that still count?
0: I I think it counts because if you're the Yankees, it's actually beneficial because you're not adding money on via trade or anything. At the end of the year, you're letting money go. I right. think Damon has gone. Everyone this year, reset right? their cap. Yeah. If you're under, yeah.
1: Would it, but everyone's technically under because it's pro prorated.
0: Mm. Well, that would prorate that portion, but if they would. So, who started the season? though? if the season started regularly, there was what two, three teams over? No, like four teams over the cap. The Yankees, the Dodgers. And I'm talking about,
1: I'm talking about the highest tier here. The teams. yeah, there was
0: there was three or four teams that were already over the cap.
1: Right.
0: I mean, those guys. I think Ellsbury comes off. Tanaka comes. Yeah, the rest comes of the off. sixteen million yeah. comes off. Tanaka comes off. Uh, there's a lot of players that come off that you, they can reset the cap without making a transaction.
1: Well, we'll look at the Yankees, for example. They've got Paxton Tanaka and Lemayhu and the rest of Ellsbury's money coming off. Right. Um, I'm assuming they are going to want to re-sign at least one, if not two, of those guys.
0: I think they re-sign on three. Right. (laughs) That's kind
1: of my gut feeling. Are they going to resign? Now, the Yankees are a little less – whether they reset the cap or not, I think the Yankees want to keep that core intact, especially if they don't get a chance at a World Series this year. Like, what's the point of spending all that money and getting Garrett Cole if you're going to lose 40% of your rotation?
0: Especially when I think James Paxton, because of all this, can come at a bargain.
1: Right. I, and I agree, with, you know, D.J. LeMahieu and everyone else, too. I mean, everyone should be at a bargain. Like, there's just not going to be that type of – of market for these guys. Um, but the Red Sox, I look at Red Sox are in a spot where if they, if the text does get reset, right? Because they never really served. They never really had to, like the Yankees in 2018 had to lose payroll so they can reset the tax. Red Sox did that this winter, but they didn't have to go through the year suffering from it. The Red
0: Sox come off like fat cats. I mean, they they got rid of an expensive player they weren't going to sign. I don't care what anyone says. Mookie doesn't want to go back to Boston. If he wanted to stay in Boston, he would have legitimately signed an off, uh, a deal. Mookie doesn't want to go back. Mookie said he wanted to test re-agency. He's not going back to Boston. They got a top-tier prospect. They freed up money. They came out on top of that.
1: Yeah, I, I guess I agree. Either way, whether they reset the tax or not, uh, I don't see them – extending bets, especially because they're not the only team in town that's going to want Mookie bets. And, yes, even if they get away with a free reset where they didn't have to suffer for a year under the tax and they're going to have more money come off this year, that's not going to be their best way to allocate it. They don't have any pitching. They don't have any pitching, and Chris Sale gets to spend the year recovering.
0: Oh, oh, Boston, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I just – Mookie's going going to the Angels, man.
1: Now, the Reds get screwed, and the Red Sox, I, it, to me, Trevor Bauer has Red Sox written all over him, especially if he's only, only signed one-year deals, like you said. That is a that is a classic guy that they're going to sign next year, and they'll probably sign a second big starter, too.
0: Uh, you know my feeling on Trevor Bauer is a lot of talent, a lot of things there, but there's a few wires loose, man. I'm not sure how that plays here.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um,
0: Even now, he's on Twitter – talking shit. And I'm sitting there thinking you're a guy that doesn't believe in free agency. This is where you need to shut up. Right. (laughs) Let the people who actually care about it, just let them talk. He's tweeting and he's just, he's making no sense because again, you know where he comes from, you know what he believes in or doesn't believe in. Yeah. Um.
1: So let let's get to the last part here. (laughs) That is the Mets. So James, if you're still watching or anyone else who is a Mets fan, um, there was a rumor today that the Mets have a serious team assembling to buy the ownership away from the sh- terrible, terrible Wilpons. Terrible. With A-Rod and J-Lo essentially being the window dressing minority owners who would get all of the credit for being owners, much like Derek Jeter um, and the Marlins, led by you're – se- you're telling me it is not the Under Armour guy, right?
0: No, it's the Body Armour guy.
1: Body armor guy, yes. Yeah, body armor oh. and
0: the founder of Vitamin Water, who then sold Vitamin Water to Coca-Cola for stupid money,
1: right? So,
0: his name is Mike repo and this guy has deep pockets. He is ties to New York. He graduated St. John's. He is a St. John's booster. Um, I, I like this man. I, I like this a lot. I think this is. I actually hope this happens. I know we playfully go back and forth. Oh, this guy also, he uh, created Pirate Booty. You know the chips? The little puffy... Uh, yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah. Good. I like that. Yeah, those wow. are good. But he... Um, you know, I, I think while A-Rod and J-Lo have the star power, his pockets... Um, he tried buying the Mets in 2011, by the way.
1: Okay. Yeah, he yeah. Did, right. This was his he, second... second he did, attempt.
0: Make, he did make an offer. I, I think this is what the Mets could use as a franchise. I think you have a rod who is a lightning rod, no matter where he goes, no matter what he says or what he does, the guy's a lightning rod. J-Lo is adored by everyone from old women to young women, to children. And of course, everyone loves J-Lo. They can also sit there like and New York
1: ties, by the way.
0: Yeah. They can just sit behind home plate and they'll draw, you know, the uh, Jerry Seinfeld that they'll, they'll draw big names They'll have big pockets. They'll have star power. And, and I really hope this deal goes through for the Mets. They they deserve it. The Mets fans deserve some real ownership. And um, it'll be fun when – it's always fun in New York, man, when both teams are, are, are rocking and they, they, they're they going for the same free agents and, they, and they're both playing well. There's nothing like New York when both teams are playing well.
1: Right. I um. – I'll preface it by saying, yes, I, I hope it goes through. I'm just of the general belief I want as many good owners in – In my sport as possible um i don't (laughs) if you've been listening to this show you know that i i hate most owners uh but there are there are better owners you know i think obviously the owners of the yankees and the cardinals and whatnot as far as being owners forget what they are as people um those are good owners they try to compete they have revenue to compete they do what they can. They don't, they don't try and skirt the system at all. And it's not just big market teams, too. I mean, the Cardinals are like a mid-market team. But you've got good owners out there who know how to run a business, and they know how to run a team, and they know how to get the best of both worlds. The Mets haven't been that for years and years and years. They went to the World Series in 2015 and almost immediately fell apart after they lost. They went to the World Series in 2000. Uh, they just – they haven't been able to sustain anything really since the late 90s. And unfortunately for them, the Braves were better than them in the late 90s. So they kind of –
0: 2006, man.
1: Yeah. and, and in that, the...
0: I always say, man, that Andy Chavez catch, man, always – when that catch happened, I said they went to the World Series.
1: I thought so too, and I was rooting. Beck- so, I was in college. I was rooting so hard for them in that game because that like, Andy Chavez catch,
0: arm was like a good two, three feet. No, was that that was back.
1: That was the Odell Beckham catch of baseball, in that it was made in a losing effort. But all anyone ever remembers about that game is not Yadier Molina's ninth inning home run, mm-hmm. it was, or whatever inning it was, Andy's catch. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: like I said man His arm was so far Behind the fence And he brought it really, back And it was to the yes. end the inning
1: His entire yeah. arm Was over the fence You just Like you see a lot of Ticky tacky Robbed home runs Or like a piece of the glove His entire arm Went over the wall yeah, a, a, As a baseball fan thin.
0: You were rooting for that and, and I just You know You think You know Well after 2011 I stopped thinking that way But you know You, you think that Sometimes there's destiny and, and stuff like that You know Baseball gods And that kind of shit But when that happened, I'm like, that's such a momentum swing. They're winning. They're going to the World Series, and then the home yeah. run happened, and it was over. Now, here's
1: – there's so many other emotions I have about this, just, like, comically about Mets fans, is that now they're, like, A-Rod. They're going to be the biggest fans of A-Rod, which cracks me up. Um, A-Rod's I, I, a great steroid know, user, which cracks me up because we've heard shit for so long course, about the Yankees course. and their steroids.
0: It'll be funny. We'll rib them. We'll have fun with it. But uh, I, it's it's hard. I don't see it happening because – you know, the other ownerships of the other teams, they're very guarded. It's a, it's a good old boys club who they let in. They
1: reject Cuban, so many good owners.
0: Mark Cuban twice. If you remember, Mark Cuban had the highest bid for the Dodgers. I and then all of you. a sudden, all of a sudden, the, 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 the secondary group, which included Magic Johnson and the current owners, all of a sudden their bid was slightly better than Mark Cuban's. Come on. Mark Cuban said he's done trying to buy a baseball team.
1: To be fair, though, I mean those were good owners too. But I agree. The Mark Cuban thing comes to mind. They almost they like have basically banned him from ownership, even though he's proven to be a great owner. Um, I hope it happens for the Mets. I I agree with you. I like you know New York in general needs better teams. <laughs> it's such a major market, major city, and they've got like ten teams, and eight of them suck.
0: So when I think of MLB owners, you know what I think? You know the Simpson episode, Grandpa yelling at the clouds. Yeah. Uh, That's the MLB owners. They're the old man yelling at the clouds. They don't want polarizing owners. They learned their lesson from George Steinbrenner. They won't have a George Steinbrenner type of owner again.
1: Right. As Joe said, it means A-Rod's not announcing. I like A-Rod as an announcer. I do, too. I like him
0: behind the mic. He's got a little Tony
1: Romo in him, though.
0: I was going to make that same comparison. There's a way he can dissect the game and the situation, which actually pissed me off more because you can see how great of a baseball mind he is. And I'm like, dude, you came up, you know this, and you came up empty so many clutch moments for us. (laughs) Like, come on.
1: And you wonder how that translates to ownership. But I will say this. This is what I find fascinating. The Jeter-A-Rod rivalry would continue into ownership. Yes, it will. And I feel like A-Rod's going to win that battle. Not just because he has the better market.
0: He has the better market. I I
1: think he's a better baseball mind than Jeter is.
0: I think so. I mean, he's he's in a better market to begin with, but I like mostly all of the moves that, that the Marlins have made. The Marlins are putting together a really nice franchise.
1: Yeah, this is no – Jeter – I'll defend Jeter's job as as whatever job he has in the ownership, whatever role he's playing, which I think is player-related. Um, I'll defend that to the death. I I think the Marlins rebuild has – I think
0: his official title is president.
1: Yeah. Uh, so he does have a hand in, in all of this, but I – I love what the Marlins have done. The only, you know, the Yelich trade looks like it's a total disaster, <laughs> but other than that, I mean, he still has assembled a ton of talent in there. Yes. He did some unsavory things as far as who he fired as far as who he's not paying, whatever the case may be, but
0: he cleaned house in a way that a lot of people didn't like, but it needed to be done.
1: Right. And it was a very Derek Jeter way to do it. <laughs> he was kind of ruthless and focused and, and efficient. Um, but I, I love what Jeter has done. I just think Arod A Rod absolutely loves everything about baseball and he's extremely knowledgeable in baseball, whereas Jeter I think it is more of a business for him, even as a player. It was more of a business. No, I thing.
0: agree. I so, think Arod would be the guy in the Mets Clubhouse. You remember the mirror, the, the Central Park mirror when he was yeah. <laughs> I I yeah. just I can see him doing some dumb shit like that, just and he'll get the back pages, but that's what someone as polarizing as Arod does. You know, sometimes yeah. he takes the attention. It's like Joe Madden. You know, Joe Madden always takes the attention off of the players and onto himself. Right. And I think A Rod, as an owner, will do a lot of that. You know, he'll they they don't want sound bites from a player. They'll want a sound bite from the owner who used to be a player, who used to be a hell of a player.
1: Yeah, he'll do a lot of talking for sure. Joe touched on my point though with Romo and A Rod. It's not all it's not all rosy for me in that sometimes they just talk too much.
0: <laughs> it's hard man when when you know the game so well it's hard not to talk about it with a passion and it's hard not to be arrogant if
1: right. you're
0: gonna if you're that successful on a level that these guys have been successful and they can break things down that we can't break down as fans you're gonna be arrogant
1: yeah I just no, I it from a broadcast journalism standpoint it it's like that bothers me. like just the the presentation and production of it that's their, those are their flaws. Um, But to your point, they are both very knowledgeable and and that's why I think he could do really well as an owner, you know, especially if they're going to have the purse strings of what the Mets should have, which is high market purse strings to actually be able to invest in their core and extend their core. Like that's really, to me, the only advantage of big market baseball. And there's a lot of disadvantages too, is you can extend your core past the age of like 28 or whatever, when they become a free agent. That's the one major thing I'll say The Yankees have been blessed with they were able to hold on to Jeter and Posada and Pettit more so Jeter and Posada forever because they can afford that. It doesn't always work out. There's plenty of times when they extend a player and then they have to pay for their terrible years, but that is a major advantage. Um, The reason that I always will argue, especially with Dean Gavin or with uh, Dean, Dean, whatever his name is, the Royals fan in the group, is that there's plenty of disadvantages too, including the, the mandatory requirement to try and win like you can't just disappear for three or four years and rebuild your farm system if you're a major market because the yeah. pressure is there with the prices you're charging to win luckily for the yankees it worked out the rebuild was like three months
0: well the flip side to that is those teams also tend to put the money back into their product right whereas a yeah. smaller market teams they put it in their bag and they keep it moving
1: Right. That's what is annoying, is a smaller market team can afford to invest more, and they do when they're competitive, except the Pirates, who will just destroy that franchise immediately as soon as they become competitive. But they, um, but they don't. They, they pocket the money, they get paid money from big market teams, that so they don't reinvest into the team, and they can afford to be bad for years on end because they're a smaller market team and they're not held accountable for it. And then on top of that, you're getting top draft picks every year, which if you're a team like the Rays is great because they make great selections. But if you're a team who isn't like the Rays, uh, then it isn't great because you, get, you squander these picks. Or you're like the Padres where you have 100 great picks. You finally have a great farm system. Mm-hmm. But it took 20 years. <laughs> so <laughs> you
0: don't hit. Right. <laughs> you don't hit on those picks. Like the Astros got lucky because they hit year after year on those draft picks when they tanked.
1: Yeah, they made great draft picks, and they raised their payroll. I mean, that that's, that's the deal to me. If you're a small market team, when you are ready to compete, when you've got that three- to five-year window, you absolutely have to invest in it. Even if you're going to take a, a loss year to year, you have to invest in it. Because we've seen, like with the Cardinals, they now have a brand of winning. They can keep reinvesting because they keep winning because they keep going to the playoffs and they keep generating more revenue.
0: They were able to let Pujols go and really – not feel the brunt of that
1: right yeah uh, they've earned that right so um anyway that was a long uh a tangent there on small versus big market baseball but I think A-Rod with a with a big market payroll especially uh they can do some damage there that combination you got deep pockets and you got
0: A-Rod I want I, I want to see if it's not J.Lo and A-Rod I definitely want to see the Mets sold to someone who's passionate about bringing a winning brand to New York for their sake.
1: Reminds me of, what is his name, Mikhailov, the Russian owner who took over the Nets. Oh, That was awesome.
0: I know you're talking about. Uh. It didn't work, but it was awesome. <laughs> he
1: came in, I forget, I, I think it's like Mikhailov or something. Sounds, he came in promising the Nets were going to be like this premier franchise for the rest of existence. Um,
0: and he had a way of speaking too. It's, it's, yeah,
1: and he's got like this, you know, thick Russian accent. He's this big Russian businessman, so it was intimidating, and he like believed it. It didn't work out, but that's like that's the kind of owner I want in a big market. So if they're gonna come in and make declarative statements like that, as long as it's not like, oh, we're gonna be better than the Yankees or take over, like just stop. Unless the Mets have a dynasty, don't make the Jets mistake, man. Don't make don't make Rex Ryan's mistake of saying he's gonna take over the city, and the Giants win a couple of Super Bowls, you win nothing.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say something about his foot fetish being exposed.
1: That, that Yeah, I mean, that blew up. That gets <laughs> underrated. Giants win a Super Bowl. Jets never make a Super Bowl. Mark Sanchez becomes a bust. Rex Ryan gets fired. That's what you, That's what happens when you make that statement. There are definitely teams in the New York market who are king, and then there's the teams who are second fiddle. And until second fiddle wins things and becomes king, you can't make statements like that. So that's and my I only still, advice.
0: I still have the foot fetish thing in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> you you were in Florida, man. But that shit was all over the papers. That that was on what sports talk radio. Twenty ten. I think so, man. The whole foot fetish thing was they, the headlines. Were, were I think great. I was in Connecticut
1: at the time, but um,
0: Rex Ryan foot fetish was the best.
1: Yeah, that was a great. That was a great time to be in New York in general. Yeah. Like t- t- two thousand seven to like two thousand twelve was a, a nice time.
0: By, by the way, Rex Ryan should have an opportunity to coach again in the league, but that's another issue. I,
1: I would think, yeah. So, <laughs> Eddie coming in here is asking to talk about how good Mike Trout is. He's not very good. He's got a zero batting average right now. We're not playing baseball, and I'm still mad at Mike Trout for his stupid comments back in March. So that's that's what you'll get out of me about Mike Trout.
0: Mike Trout did join the, uh, the caravan and, and, you know, when and where.
1: Yeah, that I respect. I like, yeah, if Mike Trout wants to be a Players Association company man, I can support that. Good for him. Yeah, he
0: should do that, and he should tell Trevor Bauer to shut up.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, assert your dominance. Or we'll
0: play with a drone.
1: Uh, by the way, some some latest updates here. It's been two weeks now I have not worn any sort of baseball hat. Um, reason is minor protests. We'll see if it continues as my hair gets longer. Uh, second thing, sporting- I had.
0: I had to wear one as the ceiling fan light shining uh, on my thing. I
1: see that. Second thing, we've got Trenton Thunder going on here. That's also a protest. That's uh, that's minor league baseball for you.
0: I I kept it classic with with the goat of relief pictures. It's
1: good call. Good call. Third thing, I'm now as cool as Henry and Randy. I've got uh, Baseball Life back there. If you can see it, my banner arrived minutes before the show. Immediately put it up. So now I've got Baseball Life in one corner. And I've got the uh, Dunks or the uh, Bronx Bang Bros 2018 Fantasy Championship for Baseball Life in the other corner. So um,
0: I did before we wrap up. I did want to give a a kudos to Nelson Cruz. He did win the uh, Muhammad Ali Humanitarian Award yeah. at, at the virtual ESPYS yesterday, and they did a nice kind of a video montage of all the uh, stuff that he does. I know he's trying to build a school in the Dominican Republic. Um, so kudos to him. It was a very emotional moment. I'll post a video in the group once we're done. But uh, yeah, that was that was really nice to see.
1: Yeah, that, that is great. Good for Nelson, the elder statesman at this point of the league. Um, you know, 40 and still putting up numbers in who's, Minnesota. Whose
0: PED use gets swept under the rug. Oh, yeah, yeah David Ortiz, Ortiz
1: is. Either. Probably still a total Roy user, but, you know, good for him. Um, last thing we've got, uh, Wednesday, a couple of podcasts. You're one to tune into step back and the lab usually on Wednesdays. I actually died the lab, but I don't want to spoil anything. It, it may be live. Uh, and by live, I mean, Johnny and Matt will be in the same spot. I don't know if that's happening this Wednesday or a Wednesday in the future, but Matt Whelan will be in Florida for a while. So, uh, we will all meet up with him some point the Florida contingent down here which consists of me and Johnny and some other members um, so look out for that I don't know if they're going to announce it if they've set a date yet but uh, <laughs> like they're getting married uh, but yeah tune into the lab <laughs> Wednesday <laughs> and uh, step back also on Wednesday in their semi new slot they've been putting out great product definitely something to tune into if you're not in the life- step
0: back is one of my favorite podcasts um, they're getting some steam rolling
1: Yep. Leon and Jacob do a great job. Uh, if you're not in Balla's life, if you like basketball, even in the least worth in, yeah, even in the least it's worth going in there. They do some fun watch parties and stuff like that. It's, it's a little bit of a different feel, I think, compared to the other sports groups we have in life groups. I so, uh,
0: I'm always jumping in and, and freaking in the comment section, trying to take over. I might as well just be on with them, but yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, so uh, you've got that. the lab, obviously, if you're not in food life, definitely go into food life. Um, They post things. I'm hungry all the time. And uh, yeah, and then we've got uh, the Audible. There we go. Uh, That's on Friday of this week, as far as I know. So look out for that. Randy Hammond, Matt Bushnell, if you're a football fan, definitely please go into Football Life. And if you know football fans, please invite them into Football Life because that group really needs to grow considering it's football.
0: Yeah, they rebooted that podcast strong, man. They came out the gate swinging. Yeah,
1: they. Uh, if you haven't heard Matt and Randy discuss X's and O's of football, it's really something you want to do. Um, you know, it's not. It's obviously not as great as Henry and I discussing baseball, but it's like a close. You know, it's close second.
0: Oh. And and by the way, if you want to ruffle his feathers, just remind him how good Josh Allen is and will be. Yeah.
1: But- Triggers for Matt mentioned <laughs> terrible bears quarterbacks and draft picks mentioned Josh Allen and how great he is triggers for Randy. Just mentioned anything positive about the giants and he will immediately just be short circuited. So yeah, there you go. That's reason to tune in. You can troll them in the comment section. Anyway, <laughs> this is, uh this has been dong city. Join us next week. It'll be the day after my birthday. I'll be a freshly minted 33 year old. Uh, Monday 7 PM still plan to make
0: it there. So, We will talk to you next week. Dong city, bitches.